Okay, take your seats. Hey, it's our pleasure to welcome Margaret Stunt all the way from Sydney. She was speaking last night at a women's event. She set the alarm off and they had some time outside in the rain. But they had a great time here. Really enjoyed the evening. It was great that the women came. Margaret is one of our closest friends, if not the closest friend we have in the world. And what we love about Margaret, we've known her for over 30 years, is the consistency of her passion for Jesus and her love for the church. This lady, more than most I know, could have dropped out of church the way some people treated her, but she stayed in. And she's being fruitful, perhaps more fruitful than ever in this season of her life. And so I can, you don't know all her story. We know a lot of it. And most people would have dropped out, but she's kept going forward and is strong. And so, Margaret, you're a joy to have around. We love you. Would you please welcome Margaret Stump? Um, I want to say thank you to your pastors. I don't take this platform for granted. I don't take any platform for granted. And I'm not a speaker. I only go where I've got relationships. I get lots of invitations, but I don't go just to speak. I want to build church. And I've watched your pastors again. This building is a testimony to them and the team around them because people said it couldn't be done. And I love that Steve and Angie are like, well, we're going to have a go. We're just going to keep having a go. And they did. And we are the beneficiaries of that. The seats that you sit on, the building you walk through, the, the coffee shop. It was a dream. We talk dreams. Us, us four, Fred, Angie, and Adrian and Jane, we talk dreams about doing this. And everyone's like, oh, it's impossible. But we serve a God of the impossible. And so I want to honour your pastors to stay in the path. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Love Cambridge. You are blessed to have them. You really are blessed to have them. They love Cambridge. I'm going to the Wirral next week, their, their original home. And it's interesting. I love that God brought them here to change Cambridge and to love you people to life. So remember to pray for them. The Bible's very clear about that. Pray for your leaders. And pray that they'll be abundantly blessed. They're blessed because they know you, but there's abundance. And there is more. I love what Steve said. Let's not settle church. You know, I know when we bought a much smaller building than this in Dunstable, people sat back. It's like, oh, we've arrived. Uh, we haven't arrived. There are millions of people still don't know Christ. And so we have arrived when we get to heaven. And he says, come on in, true and faithful servant. And until then, we haven't arrived. Deal? Are you in? Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand for a minute. I know you sat down, but I'm going to stand the whole time so you can stand for a moment. And I'm going to ask you to, if you're visiting, this is not a weird moment, okay? Just come with me, okay? Just, I just dare you, just have a go. But put your hand on your heart because that's where the issues flow from. And we are going to pray all together. Are you up for that? Good. So pray with me, Jesus. Today, I want to be changed. I want to be more like you. I want to be useful to my king. So I'm willing. You're able. So let's do it in Jesus' name. Amen. He heard you. He heard you. Imagine what that could look like. He heard you. There's no excuses now. You can't say, I, didn't. I got you. I love God. Um, and so I want to encourage us to seek him in every season. And in a room this size, there'll be so many seasons. But so often in a season, we, we can withdraw. Or we can be full of, you know, when it's summer. I heard you had a weekend that was summer last weekend. We had it on Australia News. 
that England had the hottest bank holiday for so many years. And Australia's like, that's not hot. <laughs> um, but you know, you had a hot weekend. It was a season that lasted a weekend. And sometimes we think a season's got to last forever, and sometimes it is just a weekend. But we often face things as, I'm going to be like this forever. And other seasons are much longer. And so we need to learn to embrace the season. But you'll only embrace the season if you can see him in the season. And so you have to seek him. But it is just a season. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 12, it says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and bless the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. I believe that's a word for this church. I think there is more rain coming. There is much more rain, spiritual rain. I think you're going to be known as a place of healing. I think you're going to be known as a place of generosity. I believe there is more money coming in. I think it's going to be supernaturally natural that, you know, you, God will convict you in the middle of the night to do it. And you'll be like, oh, this is a new season. Jump on in because God's going to do it. God is going to, God's up to something. Around the world, he's up to something. You know, when I landed back in Europe, I've had a bit of a journey I was in. I was in Greece, I was in Bulgaria, then I was in Greece, then I was in London, then I was in Norway, then I was in Berlin, then I went home for a week, <laughs> as you do, and then I came back, <laughs> and then I'm here, and then I'm going to Montreal. But when I came back into Europe and went around Europe, that God is up to something. You know what Steve said, don't just think, oh, that's nice. No, we are in a season where God is looking for people who are just going to say yes. Just say yes. Some of you just overcomplicate everything. Just say yes. It's all he's looking for. The Bible says, who will be found willing in the day of my power? Well, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I want to be found in the day of his power. I don't want to be lost somewhere. I don't want to be out of the, of the picture. I want to be found. I want to be saying yes. And I know it's costly, but it's worth it. So seek him. I love it. It's a two-way thing, seek, because you think, oh, it's, I've got to seek God. No, no, listen to this in Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus found us before we found him. It says in, in Romans 10 um, and 20, Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who didn't seek me, and I revealed myself to those who didn't ask for me. That was me. I wasn't looking for God. In fact, I said no. When we were on a Greek island and the guy was preaching, Fred put his hand up and I'm like, put your hand down. We did not come here for God. Don't be misled by these people. We just came for food and movies. And he's like, as always, ignored me. Um, wise man. Um, and so, you know, God is so kind. But we've lived, as, as Steve said, many seasons many seasons. But you know what? There's a choice in all of them to seek God in it. Even in the messy seasons, you know those seasons you think, why, why? Don't stay in why. Why is it a crooked letter? And why will take you on a crooked path? Because there is no answer sometimes to why. So trust. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And if you could, there's no point in asking why, because sometimes you just tell you to mind your own business. I've tried. It's like, why, Lord? It's like, just get on with it, Margaret. Why? John 4 and verse 23, yet time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. He was present in our worship because it's true. We pressed in this morning. Could you feel it? It's like, oh, yes. 
Couldn't you, we could stay there, couldn't we? But worship isn't just about singing songs, people. It's a, worship is I will not give my God that which costs me nothing. It costs to be a Christian. Jesus, it costs Jesus everything, absolutely everything. And sometimes we're like, oh, shall I go? Yes. Shall I be nice to my neighbor? Yes. But I don't like them. So? Love them anyway. We talked about that last night. But that whole season that we're in, you know, we, we have to understand that it will end. You know, last week, everyone was saying, summer's here, it's gone. <laughs> you know, when we came over for color, you had another weekend that was like that. And all the staff at Hillsong were like, we're going to miss the summer. We're all going to be in Wembley Arena and the summer will be gone. And they were right. <laughs> and then it popped back for a weekend. And other times you're going to be in a season, maybe right now you're in a work season, you're like, oh, I don't get it. This is a struggle. But I just want to encourage you, seek him in the struggle. Go to him. So often we go to people. And, you know, why would you go to someone that's human when you can go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has all the answers and the yes and amen? You know, and, and so often we talk about, I, oh, it's this and it's that. You know, when I was, I, I was a trainer at college, and our students used to come and say, I'm tired. Oh, I'm really, really tired. Oh, but Margaret, I'm tired. I'm like, go to bed. <laughs> Don't talk about being tired. Go to bed. And it's the same in the season. Don't talk about the season. Praise your way through the season. Turn up the praise if you're in a season that's a challenge. And if you're in a summer, enjoy it because it won't last forever. <laughs> the only thing that's forever is, is heaven. So enjoy it. But so often we're so afraid that the season's going to come and go, we don't enjoy the present. And some of you are always projecting yourselves into the future and you don't enjoy the now. And God wants us to enjoy the now. Take time in this season to enjoy. You know, whatever age you are, you'll never be that age again. You know, and some of you are like, oh, praise God. <laughs> but listen, age is to be celebrated. You know, I shared at Colour, I'm going to be 70 next year. And I didn't realise I was going to be 70 because you don't really notice. But I've got a co I'm going to speak. I've got an invitation to speak in Vienna. And when I got it, I got it last year, which is unusual to be that far ahead. And it, I thought, 2019? Oh, I'll be 70. It's my gift from God. I've never been to Vienna. But do you ask God for birthday presents? I ask every year for a birthday present. Because when he made me, he said, very good. Nothing's changed. So, of course, and the Bible says he loves to give good gifts to his kids. So we have not because we ask not. But, you know, when I was 30, or well, I was 28, no, I was younger than that. I was 19 when I had Jane. And they said I, was die, I would die when I was 30. That was my prognosis. So why wouldn't I celebrate and laugh at being 70? Because they said I wouldn't get there. So we have to be careful that we just actually celebrate it. And we live in an ageist world. And God's not ageist. I shared that at colour. But God is not ageist. But when you're in a season that you think, oh, I can't do this because of my age, read your Bible. <laughs> just read your Bible. And you know, Jesus was a carpenter for a long time. But he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he was a carpenter for a long time. And you imagine that. You know, making furniture. Uh, can you imagine the furniture shop? Jesus made my bed. <laughs> well, he made our table and chairs. You know, it would have been like that. He was doing ordinary, everyday things, knowing 
that this was around the corner, the cross. Knowing a ministry was around the corner. But did he get frustrated? No, he knew the season that he was in. And look at him. If you look in, in Luke, I won't read it now, but if you look in Luke 2 and verse 43 to 52, it talks about when Jesus was young. You know, some of you, if you've read your Bible, he, they were at the temple and his parents left him. <laughs> Can you imagine? I lost Jesus. <laughs> you know, we read it and go, oh, nice. It wasn't nice. Can you imagine? She knew. Like, where's Jesus? Uh, back at the temple. And you see, when they back, went back and found him, people were in awe of him. But it wasn't the launch of his ministry. And they could have left Jesus in the temple because they did that. Boys, you know, you look at Samuel. He was left in the temple. And they went back and, and people were in awe of him. But it wasn't the launch of his ministry. We have to be careful that if a season comes that looks like this is it, check it out with God and check it out with a few people who you trust like your pastors and see, is this the, the moment in time? Because God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. And they, he could have, there he was. And he went home and trained to be a carpenter. <laughs> Son of God, flung stars in space, was there at the beginning, home to be a carpenter. And some of you keep asking, why am I still doing the same thing? Because that's where God wants you. Because what God opens, no man can shut. But what God shuts, no man can open. You know, when we went to Australia, I would never have chosen to work in college. It was a total privilege, but it was totally out of my zone. Okay, so I had to retrain. I was 60 years old, and here I am totally retraining. And my friends here are retiring. I'm like, Jesus, this is not funny. I did. I'm like, this is not funny. I can't do this. And if I told him once, I told him like 10 times, I can't do this. He said, who told you that? I'm like, I'm telling you. Because we can talk ourselves out of blessing. We don't need someone else to do it. We really don't. And he's like, just get on with it. And I struggled. I really did struggle, especially after the first year. Because I thought, I can, Bobby said, just do it for a year. And then they forgot me. Well, they didn't forget me. They heard I was doing a good job and left me there. Seriously, that's what I, I was forgotten. She went, no, no, we knew you were doing a good job. So we left you there. But I felt forgotten. Feelings are not facts. So be careful that you don't make a move out of a feeling, out of a season when you're not ready. Because we, I, we stayed. And the reason I came out of that season was, and we're going to see it happen tonight, but... Um, Robert Ferguson is our teaching pastor, and I don't get words from platform. I'm not one of those people I can count on one hand. Um, and I'd just come back from India and seen amazing things, and Robert Ferguson was like, Margaret Stunt. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> he said, God's going to give you a, a strategy to bring miracles to this nation. My response was, God, I've got no time for strategy. I have marking assessments to do. <laughs> and then I thought, that's probably not the right response. But it was the season I was in. And was, I'd been away, and I, I was came to a backlog of assessments. And so the next two days later, we went, Fred and I went to a conference, and the president of the Australian churches did this Tuesday. He's like, Margaret, Margaret Stunt, I've seen you. Where are you? I'm, like, uh, I'm here. He's like, uh, God's going to give you a fresh anointing for healing. Now, when God gives you two words in, two in three days, you've got to take notice. And that meant for me, my season in college was coming to an end. But how you finish a season matters to how you start the next one. So don't abandon ship. 
don't abandon ship. How we finish is how we start. So we didn't tell anybody. We prayed and we fasted and we knew it was right. But those two words, that, so we knew at the beginning of the year, Robert and John's words confirmed it, and then we left. Wait for confirmation in the word. Don't abandon a season. Because God will take, I promise, you know what happens? You go around the season again. And again. Until you get it right. So don't jump ship. It's really important. And you know, if you look at the cloud and, and the fire, it was a season. You know, we can read it and think, how romantic. They were led by the cloud. And they were led by the fire. But imagine... You're, you're getting breakfast, kids are all getting sorted, you've got old Aunt Sally out of bed, the cloud's moving. No, no, this is a good watering hole. I like this pitch, it's level. Just got the tent sorted and tidy. Cloud's moving. It wasn't convenient, people. And it was seasonal and it moved when God wanted it to move, not when they wanted it to move. And they were, I'm sure there were people who are like, well, when it stops again, will the water be okay? How far away will it be? Will we be able to put the tents up in the same way? How's it going to be? Because we can read it and think it's so nice. But actually, it was a challenge. And then the fire at night. Got the kids to bed. Aunt Sally's died. Just about to bury her. Fire is moving. No! No! And you think God wouldn't do that. God moved a whole nation at night. Why? Because they settled. And God doesn't want us to settle. He wants us to move. And, his, and the fire represents his spirit. And I believe there's a move of his spirit going across the churches that if we follow it, we're going to see his kingdom come, his will done. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see salvations. We're going to see the captives set free. We're going to see a change of culture. We're going to see domestic violence stop. We're going to see rape stop. We're going to see crime change because the kingdom of God is established in the town. I believe it. I really, really believe it. But it means fire, and, and the fire moved at night. And you think, God wouldn't move a nation at night? Yeah, he did. And sometimes they'd move for days and days and days. It wasn't just a quick trip around the campsite. And they didn't know when it was going to stop. And some of you in here love to be in control. Put your hand up if you're the person who likes to be in control. Yeah, stand up. Stand up. You know, if you're holding something and you've got it on your lap and you stand up, what happens? It's not a trick question. It falls off. I could hear the chains falling. Because if you're in control, Holy Spirit isn't. Jesus isn't. And he wants a church that trusts him. Control is about lack of trust and lack of faith. Sorry, but that's the truth. So if you're in control, you're saying he can't be. And it's time today to say, I'm done. You can have control. Scary, isn't it? It's like, ah, what does she mean? I wish I hadn't stood up now. <laughs> Jesus is watching right now, and he's in heaven, seated next to our Father, and he's going, look, Dad. He's like, I know, son, she got them. <laughs> she got them, they stood. And you have heaven's attention right now. Last night I read a scripture that said, God looks over heaven's balcony. And he's looking over the balcony, he's like, they're not going to be in control anymore. I'm going to lead them where they've never been. 
And Jesus like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So are you ready? Hand on your heart, because that's where the issues flow from. And say with me, Jesus, forgive me for wanting to be in control all the time. Today, I let go. And I trust you. Be Lord. Truly Lord. In control. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it your way, even if it kills me. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Heaven is cheering. All the angels are going, whoa. Did you see them? And he's like, yes, I did. Listen, if church is boring, it's because you are. I have never been bored in church. And heaven is excited about his church right now. Because when you let go and you yield, some of you need to look that world up. Yield. Yield to God. He told me that about eight years ago, and I read it, and I didn't like it, so I didn't do it for a while. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's fruit in yielding, and you need to let go. And it is about trust. But they, you know, imagine being the last p- person to pack the tent, and you can see them all off in the distance. And you're like, do I go? But you know what? I believe they went because they didn't want to be left behind, but also because it was a bit scary to be left in the desert when you're used to community. And God wants us in community. That's how he made us, even when it's difficult. You know, there's people in the church who think, why are they breathing? (laughs) The same air as me. They could have been born in another century. I call them sandpaper brothers and sisters. (laughs) They were born just to change me. But, you know, embrace those sandpaper brothers and sisters because they change you. And, they change, and you change them. And so often when we've got sandpaper brothers and sisters, what we do is we withdraw. And withdrawing is the most powerful emotion. Jesus never withdraws from us. He never withdraws. In all our funny ways, he sticks with us. He's like, come on, come on. Don't withdraw. Don't withdraw. You know, there was a season where Jesus was start, when he started to minister... And he, do you remember, have you read when he was in the house and it was all happening, they took the roof off and there was, it was packed solid and there was healings going on. I believe God's going to do that tonight, um, that we want to take the roof off. But I do believe God's going to move in a way that we haven't seen him move. I was awake at four o'clock for you guys this morning and that's not for nothing. Okay, so I'm on it. Um, but he, there they were and then there was a message came. Your mother and your brother are outside. Jesus will not be manipulated and I love him for it. He wouldn't be manipulated. He said, who's my mother and who's my brother? I'm on my father's business. Don't be a manipulator. It's a human trait, but don't do it. It's not nice. And Jesus doesn't manipulate us. He calls us. He says, come on in from that season. Come in from that season of withdrawing. Come close to me. And when we're hurt, we do withdraw. It's a natural thing to do. But he's calling you today, come on, come close. That season of withdrawing needs to end. That season of just attending church. Listen, guys, I know this might really be a bit of a shocker to you, but God does not want your duty. He wants your devotion. And devotion is costly. He doesn't want your duty. Oh, I turned up for the 11.30. How good am I? He's not interested. He's not interested in your little bottoms on the seat. He wants us totally devoted to him and his kingdom, and, and because you live here, your community and the world. You know, he wants us, that's devotion. 
Not, not duty, not I've ticked a box. Oh, I might put something in the offering, that's a little bit better. No, no, no. No, he wants our devotion. And when we give him our devotion, our life gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't want my world to get smaller and smaller. I want it to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that does start with your finances because it's often very close to our hearts and, and often we're afraid of poverty. And that's why we hold on to things. But when you hold things, you lose them. When you release them, they leave your hand, but they'll never leave your life. They will never leave your life. They will leave your hand, but they'll never leave your life because God watches and he is a faithful God. And so I want to encourage you in the season that you're in is actually to seek him. What is he saying in your season? Stop asking people and ask him. What are you doing in my life right now? What do you want from me? You know, when I stepped out in faith, and it was faith, you know, rents in Sydney, my wages paid the rent. It was a big step. I'm like, Lord, help us. And then I, he's been faithful. I haven't stopped traveling. And he's opened doors and he's blessed us. But last year, it, there was another step. It never ends. You think, I've done the season now. No, the season of faith is a life season because it's what pleases God. I loved what Steve said. It's what pleases God. It pleased him. When was the last time you stepped out in faith? Some of you are like, getting here was a faith step. Great job. But going out and loving someone is the next faith step. Coming may be one, but leaving different is another. And we were in that space. And, was like, and then someone said to me, Margaret, you really need to launch a ministry. And I'm like, no, I'm doing fine. Thanks very much. That sounds like a big girl thing to do. Um, and it wouldn't go away. And so I had to go and see the accountant because I didn't know how to do it in Australia. And sometimes when we're in a season and we want it to change, but we don't know what the next step looks like, we don't change it because we don't ask someone for help. And God put us in a community of people so we could ask for help. But, you know, I know the British because I was born here. And we can be like, I don't need anybody. I work it out all on my own. Thanks very much. And I'll tell them when I've done it. It's called pride. And God resists us. He resists, like, Margaret, you're going to be proudful. See ya. No, come back, Jesus. I don't want to do a day without you. So let's not be proudful. Let's ask each other. Let's be vulnerable. Let's make sure our season, if we're in a season and we need help, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. And so I went and saw our accountant. I'm like, this is what I'd like to do. I mean, he's not a Christian, so he's looking at me like, interesting. And he, he said to me, and how old are you? I'm like, does that matter? Jesus never answered a question. So I very rarely do. Um, and he went, no, I suppose not. And he said, you need to register it with ASIC, which is like, like a registry thing. And I didn't know what that was. And he helped me. And I registered Unlocking Ministries. And he didn't think it would be there, and it was. <laughs> I love God. Um, and then it, uh, he said, you need a tax file number. It's called an ABN. And I'm like, could you help? He was like, yes, leave it with me. I'll get it for you. You see, if you ask someone, we are all called to help each other. It's an innate part of us. But you know what happens with a lot of people? This, this is what happened when it comes to, can you help me? Uh, can you? Nobody wants to ask for help. Let's be those people who say, can you help me? Let's be those people who ask. And so he did. And so it's registered. And then I had to do a very grown-up thing. I had to open a bank account. And I put it off for three weeks. 
And Fred's like, why are you putting it off? I'm like, oh, I don't know, really. It's another season. I don't know if I'm ready for it. And he's like, we have never been ready for any season. How many of us know we're never ready? Who was ready to, to get married? <laughs> Who was ready to have children? <laughs> Who's ready to die? No one. No one. My mum was like your mum. She used to wake up and go, I woke up again. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, mum. She was desperate to go home, home. She really was. It's like, I'm like, and I said to her, you know, maybe your mansion's not ready. She would tell him to give me a paintbrush, I'll finish it myself. <laughs> she was ready. Her season was ready. And so I want to encourage us that God is going to do things in and through all of us. Listen, you are all leaders. You are all ministers of the gospel. You don't need a microphone to love people. You don't need a, a platform to love Cambridge. You don't need any of what we've got in here. This is to iron sharpen iron. But all of us are ministers. Go and love your neighborhood. Go and love the people that nobody else loves and make a difference on the planet. I dare you. I dare you. But you know, God's here to heal. And we're going to have an amazing time tonight. But I realize not everyone can come tonight. So if you're here right now and you need healing in your body, stand up. God's going to heal you. He's going to touch you right now. Amen. Yeah, look. See, we need, we need the body of Christ well. And if one hurts, we all hurt. So stand and let's believe God for healing. That's supernaturally. I can remember standing. I went to a Bible week once and I had a nevis on my head. And it, and it was growing. And most of you know I've got four kidneys, should have two, mine didn't work. Um, and this guy said the same thing, he's like, lay, I'm going to ask you to lay hands on yourself. We are two people reliant. The Bible says that we'll be taught by the Lord and touched by the Lord. So if it's appropriate, lay hands on yourself right now. And I did this up there and my nevis went down and God healed my kidneys. And there'll be more stories tonight about what I've seen God do both in this country, in India, and around the world. But God is the same in Cambridge as he is in India. And we need to just step up and say yes to him. So put your hand on wherever you need healing right now and pray with me, Jesus, thank you. Everyone pray on their behalf so it doesn't feel weird for them. Thank you, Jesus, that you're my healer. I receive by faith my healing right now. In Jesus' name, touch me from the top of my head, top of, top of my head to the tips of my toes. I receive it by faith and I give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give them a clap. Well done, good people. God's going to do it. Only God, only God. He will do what only He can do. And He knew you came here with needs. And He loves you. He doesn't withhold good things from us. And so I really want you to, if you stood and you're not coming tonight, I want you to go home and write it down and start declaring it. Because, you know, if you say to a child, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it, what do they do? Yeah, and if you say, I'm not healed, I'm not healed, I'm not healed, you're not healed. So start declaring it. It's by the declaration of your faith. I can pray, but it's your mouth. You declare with your mouth today. It was your prayer. And you said, I receive it. So declare it. Sometimes you have to press in. And the, the Bible talks about the fight of faith. And do you know, honestly, of course not you. But I've been known to be lazy. Of course, nobody here would be like, that's Cambridge, for goodness sake, Margot. Darling, they're not lazy. They're totally intellectual, making changes in the whole world. But we can still be lazy. 
when it comes to the things of God. And we can put more energy into our jobs, into our circumstances than our actually eternal life. And you know, much as I honour everything people do, the only eternal thing on the planet is people. And so let's make sure we invest in ourselves and others. And give testimony. Make sure you tell Stephen and Angie what God's done and share because God loves us and He's a good, good Father. And healing is who He is, not what He does. I'm going to say that again for someone. Healing is who He is, not what He does. It's who He is and He loves us with a passion. And Jesus was on the cross, could have called a legion of angels. But He saw our season coming and He said, no, I'm going to stay. They need a Saviour. And so now we're going to pray for me, the most important prayer as we close. Maybe you're here today. And you know, my mum, my mum loved the Queen. She knew all about the Queen. She knew the Queen's birthday. She knew the children's birthday. She knew her favourite biscuits, her favourite tea. She had every book that we could ever find for her. Every birthday and Christmas, what do you want? Something about the Queen. And she knew all about the Queen, but she'd never met the Queen. And you can know all about Jesus today and never have met Him personally. And He's here for you. He's a personal Saviour. It's a personal invitation and it's a personal prayer away. And He would set this whole meeting up just for you to find Him as His personal Saviour.